Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, great. Oh. 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 What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing! I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 I'm, I'm crying a little bit. I just want you to know that because I laugh so hard every time I see that scene. That might be my favorite Christmas scene of all time. I just want you to know that. It's fantastic. Hey, welcome to Crossroads. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, we're continuing on this series called Christmas at the Movies. And today we're talking about the joy that comes from having peace with God and how that peace changes everything. And before we dive in, I'd love for you just to think about this idea of what it means when we talk about Christian peace. Because when we talk about peace in, in, the, in the world of Christianity and in regard to our relationship with Jesus, it's much more than just the, the absence of war, the absence of conflict. Christian peace represents, I think, three different dynamics that we all need to lean into every single day. Number one, what we have in Christian peace, the peace that comes from Jesus, is we have peace with God. Everything that was a barrier between us and him, that relationship is restored. Jesus brings us peace with God. Uh, we can also experience in, in Jesus the peace of God. That means that no matter what situation I find myself in, no matter how crazy or chaotic or unbelievable it may seem, I can experience peace that passes all understanding at any given moment in time because God is with me. And finally, we're able to experience peace with each other because we are able to be united in Christ and all that he has done for us. And at Christmas time, we're celebrating the unbelievable gift that we have of Jesus. And I just want to lean into that concept today with you because, man, Jesus changes everything. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's God's greatest gift that we could ever hope to receive. And I want to lean into that with you today. We're walking through Luke chapter 1 and 2. Uh, last week we talked about hope. We talked about how Mary encountered this angel. This angel turned her world upside down by saying she was going to be the mother of the promised Messiah. And Despite all of the chaos, despite her world being completely turned upside down, we see that Mary responded by putting her trust in God's presence, by trusting in God's promise for her life and recognizing that even though everything was crazy, she could trust in God's plan for her life. And that's what hope is. It's me trusting in God's promises for my life. And I want you to experience the hope that we have in Jesus today, not just hope for today, not just hope for tomorrow, but hope for your eternal destiny because that is why Jesus came to planet earth. That's why he came here to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give us life and we have hope and that changes everything. And I hope that you can celebrate that today. But when it comes to peace, I want to focus today on Zechariah. What we see in Luke chapter 1 
It's a very interesting encounter, and I just kind of want to recap that for you. Zachariah is uh, the husband of Elizabeth. This is Mary's cousin, and he is a priest, and, and he's kind of a big deal. He's one of the main priests of that day, and it says in Luke chapter 1 that it came to his time. It was, he was chosen by casting of lots, really kind of a roll of the dice, to go into the holiest of holy places in the temple and burn the incense of the altar of God in, in, the, in the holiest of holy places. And this is a once-in-a-life time opportunity for priests. This is a, a huge moment. It's Super Bowl Sunday for this guy, all right? He does not get this chance to do this kind of thing very often. And so what happens? He goes into the holiest holies. He's, he's burning the altar of incense, and Gabriel appears to him as well. And Gabriel says to him, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. You are going to become a father, and your son is going to do great things. He's going to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. He is going to turn many hearts to the Lord. And we want you to name him John because he is going to be great. He's going to be the answer to God's promise for your life. And Zechariah in this moment is so overwhelmed that he doesn't really know how to respond. Remember, if you, if you ever encounter an angel, it's not a peaceful, joyous occasion. It's a terrifying thing, all right? He was a little bit perplexed. He was a little bit confused. So he responds, sadly, like many of us would. <clears throat> he says to the angel, how do I know that this is true? And all of us can kind of step back from a long ways away and go, well, you are talking to an angel, you know, in the presence of God. That's probably one takeaway that you know this is true, right? But Gabriel doesn't just give him a pass. Gabriel says, Zachariah, if you want to know this is true, here's a sign from God. You're not going to be able to speak until this promise is fulfilled in your life. Now, that's crazy. That's where Zachariah is like, oh, wait a second. Let me take the back up. Too late. All right. His voice is gone. <laughs> much like mine is about to be, all right? Let's just be real. Um, so Zechariah is in this weird place where he has encountered the angel of God. He's experienced, I mean, being told that he's going to have a promise fulfilled in his life that is unbelievable. And yet, he's also been stricken with this thing where he can't speak until the promise is fulfilled. So what happens? He comes out of the, the Holy of Holies. They, they realize he's had an encounter with God, but they don't really know what happened because he can't speak to them. So he goes home, Elizabeth gets pregnant, and then nine months later, what we see is that John the Baptist is born. And this is a very interesting thing because in Luke 1, we, we pick this up. And, and I tell you, this is, this is an exciting thing. I want you to lean into this story and then think about how it reverberates not only through the life of Zechariah and the whole Christmas story, but how it applies to our lives today. Because this is really powerful. It says in Luke chapter 1, the story picks up, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. We'll get into that later. Uh, they wanted to name him... No, no, okay, we'll, we'll skip over that. Um, they wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed, there's no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. I love this. Can we just pause for a second? You read through all the commentaries about this passage of scripture, nowhere in the Bible story does it say that Zachariah lost his ability to hear. He just lost his ability to speak. So these people are saying, what, you want to name him John? No, he needs to be Zechariah. Zechariah, Zechariah, Zechariah. 
That's the only tie-in I had to that clip. I just want you to know that. The blessing! Why is it? Why? Thank you. I tried too hard on that one. Um, why is it when, when someone can't understand us, we feel like if we talk louder, that'll make it better? Like, you ever been there? Ever been out of country? Like, where is the bathroom? Yeah. Where is the bathroom? It doesn't work. Louder doesn't necessarily do better. So they're gesturing to Zachariah, and he's probably going, guys, I can hear you just fine. I just can't speak. It's an awkward moment, all right? But I digress. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Everyone who's witness to this recognizes, hey, this is a special moment. Something, something sacred and something beautiful is happening here. No one could deny that. They recognize that something had happened, but this is a moment where suddenly Zechariah speaks up. And will you just keep this in mind for a second? Zechariah has not been able to speak for at least nine months. All he's been able to do is think and process and listen and really meditate on what was happening in his life, what God was doing, what he was up to. And so when he is able to speak for the first time in nine months, I think those are the moments where you lean in, right? Like, what does this guy have to say? He hasn't said anything for nine months. This has got to be pretty significant, right? Well, I think the answer is definitely yes. Because in Luke 1, he begins speaking. And it says, Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. This is the first statement this guy has made in nine months. Praise God. Why? Because he has visited us. He is with us. He is here. And not only has he visited us, not only is he here, but he has redeemed us. And that idea of being redeemed is a powerful one. Because when you are redeemed, that means that you have been bought back. That means that God has come down to planet Earth and he has paid a price for my soul that I could not pay. That's the price that Jesus has paid for us. That's the ultimate gift that we celebrate at Christmas. We have been redeemed. Only Jesus can save us from ourselves, can save us from our sin, and that is exactly what he has done. And Zechariah is realizing here, the Messiah is coming. My son has been chosen to prepare the way for the Lord. He is here. God has visited us. God has redeemed us. And Zechariah in this moment, even though it hasn't happened yet, is already celebrating and giving praise to God because about what he is going to do. And I want you to know that where we sit from our vantage point today, we have the luxury of being able to look back and realizing what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus came to planet earth and he paid the price that we could not pay. No one else can save us from ourselves. No one else can save us from our sin. That is only through Jesus and the price that he paid on the cross for our sins. And that is why we do everything we can to connect people with Jesus because he forgives us. He frees us. He changes everything. 
And Zechariah is, is just stating what is really important right here. He is saying we can experience peace, peace with God, peace of God, peace with everyone around us because we have been redeemed. And this is no small thing. I want to read this scripture. It's not on the slides anywhere. First Peter 1 says, You know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That is the one who came to planet Earth who paid the price that we could not pay. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. It's the greatest gift that God could ever give us. That relationship that was broken. That relationship where in the Old Testament, the only way to have that restored was to go to the temple every year and sacrifice a lamb or a sheep that was without defect. And, you know, for a year, that would keep you in good standing with God. That was the sacrifice. Blood had to be shed for your sin. And that was the old covenant that God had with man. Jesus comes and flips that script upside down. He says, no, I'm not content with that way of doing things anymore. I will be the sacrifice once and for all. You have freedom, you have forgiveness, you have fellowship with God, you have peace through me. And I hope today that you'll lean into that peace, because that's a peace that passes all understanding. That's a peace that the world cannot give you. It's peace with God, it's the peace of God, it's peace with the people around you in your life, because you have encountered Jesus. It goes on to say in Luke 1, it says, Zechariah continues, he has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. This is so important because he's highlighting the idea that we can experience peace with God. Why? Because not only has he redeemed us, he's paid the price we could not pay, but he has remembered us. And listen, that's significant. That's important because I think a lot of times when, when life isn't turning out the way that you thought it would, when you're experiencing pain, when you're walking through the struggle, you wonder, where is God? Has he forgotten me? And it's in those moments that you realize he has not forgotten you. He is right there with you. You can experience the peace of God in any situation you face. And what's interesting about this idea of God remembering us, when he remembers us, know this, he is doing exactly what he promised and he never forgets. What's his promise? He promises that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. He promises that there's no temptation in our life that, that we can't handle, that he won't offer us a way of escape from. He, he tells us that if we cast our cares and our anxieties and our worries on him, we can do that because he cares for us. He promises us that when we walk through the valley of shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil because he is with me. That's the God that we serve. That's the gift that we celebrate this Christmas season. I can experience peace with God because of what Jesus has done for me. He has redeemed me and he has remembered me. And I want to encourage you today. You might be here and you might be struggling. You might feel like God has forgotten you. I just, I want you to lean in today to God's promises for you because he has remembered you. That is who he is. And when he remembers you, that is him fulfilling his promise for you. So he's not gone. He's not left. Lean into who he is because he is there. He is with you. I just want to speak that truth into your life today. Don't give up. God is with you. You can experience peace in the situation that you are walking through. Finally, here's what Zechariah says as he brings his prophecy to a close. Remember, this is nine months just building up. This is the stuff that he's been thinking about. He says this, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. 
That's a significant statement. I'm going to say it again. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness. That's me becoming like Jesus, doing my best to follow him and become like him for as long as we live. And then he turns it to John. And you can kind of picture him, right? He's kind of the older guy. He's up in years. He wasn't supposed to be able to have a baby. And yet there he is. He's, he's holding his little boy. God's unbelievable promise to him. It's just a beautiful and sacred moment. And he looks at his son and he says, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. What an amazing moment that is. Zechariah, the prophet of God who couldn't speak for nine months because he doubted the promise of God for his life, realizes in that moment, and you, my son, will be the one that prepares the way for this promised Messiah. You are a light that shines in the darkness, pointing people to him, and he is the one who guides us to the path of peace. What an amazing statement that is. It all comes to a conclusion there. Zechariah is realizing and pointing it out to us. Hey, that is how we experience the peace of God in our lives. He is here. He has redeemed us. And he has remembered us. He is faithful. He is true to his promises for us. And he has rescued us. And the thing about God's rescuing us is that we were helpless and we were hopeless without him. We could not do this on our own. We were desperate for him. And just at the right time, just when we needed him most, that is when God showed up on the scene and he came through with his promises for our lives. And that's powerful because that word in the Hebrew for rescue, it really does. It connotates this, this picture of an individual who cannot deliver himself from a very oppressive situation. I am helpless and I am hopeless without the absolute grace and mercy of God in my life. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. I need to be rescued. There's no other way. I need Jesus. Uh, this uh, last week, I had a, a very interesting uh, group text that I was part of from my, my in-laws, Dana's side of the family. Um, my in-laws were on a trip in Arizona, and they left their dog uh, with, with one of Dana's uncles. And uh, this dog, its name is Milo. You guys just need to know. Oh, let's just say that name together, Milo. Everybody say that, Milo. You know, uh, Milo is probably the dumbest dog I've ever encountered in my entire life. I just really, honestly, the dumbest and most irritating and annoying dog ever. Uh, they've had this dog for about eight or nine years now. Uh, they have to put a diaper on it because it pees and poops everywhere. It's just a stupid dog. They've had to put an electric pad in front of their door so it doesn't run out, and we've had fun messing with that a few times. Um, <laughs> it has to wear the collar so it won't bark. Uh, it jumps up on their kitchen table and eats food out there. They're like, get off the table. And we're like, what is happening right now? Like, for real, it'll just bolt out the door and run away. Like, oh my goodness, this dog, for nine, ten years now, they've been putting up with this. Every time we go over, we're just like, this dog is terrible. Well, they left it with uh, Dana's uncle. And I mean, what a huge blessing. The first day they had it, Milo just ran out their door and disappeared. He was gone. He was gone. And the group text came through and was like, hey, be praying for, for your mom. She's really struggling. Milo escaped from, from your uncle's house. And I just went, yes, this is fantastic. Because I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible person. 
So imagine my disgust when within like four hours they were like, hey, we found Milo. He's at the Humane Society. I was like, ah. And the only way you could get Milo, like none of us could pick Milo up. They had to wait until they got back from vacation. You have to present your ID as the owner. You have to prove that this dog's had shots. So it's like more money goes out the door to pick up this stupid dog. And uh, you're the only one that can rescue him, right? Like, maybe you could let him go to another happy home. Maybe that's the answer. But no, Milo, as dumb and helpless as he was, he needed to be rescued. And as dumb and helpless as Milo is, I'm going to give him this moment to be an object lesson for all of us. You think about Milo, how dumb that is, like, oh, what a disaster, still peeing all over the place, jumping on the table, eating your food, just annoying us. You know what? In the story of God and man, I hate to admit this, but you know, you and I, we're Milo. We're Milo. All right? That's us. That's us. We're the worst. We're the worst, okay? And we need, we need to be rescued, right? We, we, that's us. Like, we're dumb. We're, we're sheep. We're Milos. And I want to encourage you today, this Christmas season, Matt, don't miss out on the realization of, of what Jesus has done for you, the gift that you have in Jesus. Because Jesus has come to planet Earth, and he has redeemed you. He has paid the price for your forgiveness and for your freedom that you could not pay. I don't want you to forget today that he, even though it may seem like you're alone sometimes, he remembers you. He is faithful. He is true to his promises for your life. And never forget the fact that he has come to planet Earth to rescue us. When we were hopeless, when we were helpless, when we were still his enemies, it says in Romans 5, 8, God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, while we were jumping up on the table and eating his food, <laughs> peeing on his carpet, <laughs> uh, God loved us so much that he died for us. And that's the gift that we celebrate this Christmas season. It's my prayer today that nobody leaves this moment without having the opportunity to receive that gift, to be able to say yes to Jesus to recognize, yes, I have been redeemed. He has remembered me. He has rescued me. And, and to say yes to that and embrace that gift. So as we close today, would you stand with me in this moment? And I want to give the opportunity to anyone and everyone who needs to say this prayer for the first time. Would you be open to the idea that, man, Jesus loves you with an extravagant love, that no one else could pay the price that Jesus paid so that you could be forgiven and that you could be set free. He came to bring you peace. And it's a peace that is for your soul. It is a peace that passes all understanding. I ask that you lean into that today and that if God is speaking to you and your heart's racing and you're not sure what's going on, may that be a recognition in your life that God is speaking to you, beckoning to you, inviting you to say yes to him and invite him into your life. And so if that's where you're at today, would you join us all in saying this prayer together today? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we give him the praise and can we give him the glory? Because there is no one like him. There is no one like our God.
Hey, um, listen, if you said yes to Jesus today, would you please come and let us know? We want to celebrate that with you. I've got Stu, I've got Michelle over here and Stu over here. They would love to talk with you and help you take your next step. We want to celebrate what God has done in your life. And I just want to send you away today in the grace and peace of Jesus. Know this, God loves you with an extravagant love. He has redeemed you. He remembers you. He has rescued you. Don't forget that as you leave today. Let's pray together. God, you're the God of hope. And I just pray that you would fill us with your joy and your peace today as we continue to put our trust in you. God, may we overflow with your hope by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And I just pray a prayer blessing over everyone today. God, would you bless us and would you keep us? Would your face shine upon us and be gracious to us? God, turn your face toward each and every one of us today, God, and fill us with your peace. Your peace that passes all understanding. Peace that we get with you. Peace that we have in any circumstance. Peace that passes understanding, God. We ask today that as we leave, we would walk in that peace and in that joy today. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Crossroads, go today and the grace and peace of Jesus. Remember this, you are loved. You're dismissed.